saying men should be dangerous. By dangerous, that implies I should be ready to threaten someone, to hurt someone. No, you should be capable of it. There's nothing to you anymore. Welcome to the Dangerous Man Podcast, where we talk about how to become a better man, take responsibility for our mission, create value for others, and the many failures and lessons we've learned along the way. Stay dangerous. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Dangerous Man Podcast. This is your host, John Castoris, and joined by co-host Adam Tuft. What is up, boys? What's up, guys? So we wanted to continue uh, a series here. We started talking the other day about storytelling, things and stuff of the nature, and really how can we become a more effective communicator, right, Adam? Yep. And so uh, we actually had some stuff to share. We had a, um, I had an experience uh, the other day, this was on Friday and I essentially wrote it out because I was like, this is awesome. And I think there's a story here to be retold. And, uh, so I'm going to retell that today, but, but really we wanted to talk about, you know, uh, you know, there's this little known thing. Okay. This, um, that world-class communicators are using and hardly anybody knows about it. Okay. No one's talking about it, but, but when you learn it and you use this, Adam, uh, you, you'll really you'll see a huge difference, okay, in your ability to command people's attention, okay. It really how fast when you use this, how fast you can become an inspiring communicator, all right. And I just that that's something I've been really learning and reading about, and and so let's dive right in, okay. I I got this um this story that I'm going to tell. This is actually I've I've composed this story on my own, so I'm not going to be like firing off the hip. I'm going to be reading this. Um, but we diving into the pool. Yeah, let, let, let me show you guys the power of this secret that no one's talking about, okay? Panic seized me like an empty cereal box, stealing away my breath. My heart raced, pounding against my chest as urgency coursed through every fiber of my being. The dreaded realization of my emergency had hit me like a ton of bricks. Our one and only bathroom was in use, and I had to go. You see, just the night before, I was winding down for the evening when an insatiable craving struck me like a lightning bolt. My taste buds were tingling, and there was only one thing that could satisfy my desire. Ice cream. Now, I must confess, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with this frozen custard. You see, uh, well, how should I say this? Okay, I'm pretty lactose intolerant. Oh, boy. I had just eaten dinner, but still wasn't satisfied. <laughs> then it hit me. An allure of frozen goodness called out to me like an MVP athlete signing kids' baseball cards. But ignoring the warnings of my lactose intolerant gut, I succumbed to the sirens of the freezer, their enchanting melodies luring me into a moment of blissful indulgence. With each spoonful, my taste buds reveled in the delightful dance of flavors while my digestive system plotted its wicked revenge. The ice cream, that tantalizing temptress, had cast its spell upon me, leaving me blissfully unaware of the chaos that awaited. And so the next day started like any other would. It was a bright and early in our St. Paul home. My roommate Adam and I embarked on our morning podcasting ritual. Armed with microphones and loaded with enthusiasm, we dove into engaging conversations, exchanging laughter and insights, weaving together a tapestry of audio entertainment. After an invigorating recording session, we basked in a sense of accomplishment and camaraderie. camaraderie. Bidding farewell to our listeners and each other, we split into the rest of our daily preparations. And here's where things really got interesting. As the echoes of our fader laughter faded, I retreated to my office. Guided by the soft light emitting from my computer screen, I focused on the familiar job of editing our recorded conversation. This was a simple task, really, and 
under normal circumstances would have only taken me a few minutes. Unbeknownst to me, these were not normal circumstances. The whims of fate had quite different plan in store for me that morning. The minutes slipped away, and as I spliced our audio show into a sonic masterpiece, but little did I know the remnants of my ill-fated ice cream rendezvous were stirring within, ready to unleash their chaos upon me. Meanwhile, Adam, renowned for his commitment to fitness, commenced his morning workout in the living room. The familiar sounds of push-ups and jumping jacks reverberated through the walls, punctuating the air with the soundtrack of his dedication. Usually, his exercise regime provided a comforting rhythm to my editing sessions, offering a predictable window of time before he moved on to the next phase of his morning routine. The refreshing shower. You see, I had grown quite accustomed to this flow as it provided me ample time to renew my digestive tract, should the moment present itself. But on this fateful morning, the universe conspired to challenge my assumptions. You see, Adam's workout, typically a prolonged affair, took an unexpected turn. With an uncharacteristic swiftness, he completed his routine, compressing time like an accordion, and then moved on to his showering ritual earlier than I had anticipated. Fueled by a mounting discomfort in my gut, my face went pale with the realization that the bathroom was now occupied. I now found myself caught in a race against time. Determined to find an alternative solution to my pressing dilemma, I embarked on a desperate search for a refuge that could grant me the freedom I so desperately needed. As Adam continued his shower, oblivious to the mounting crisis that unfolded just beyond the door, the bathroom door, fear gripped my heart like a baby squeezing Play-Doh. Concern etched deep lines in my forehead as I wrestled with the realization that my ability to hold back the impending storm was dwindling with each passing moment. Not sure if I could endure much longer, I glanced anxiously towards the door, the bathroom closed bathroom door, knowing that it held the key to my salvation. But the bathroom remained steadfastly occupied, the door now a villainous barricade standing between me and sweet relief. We only had one bathroom, and, well, that hit me like a punch to the gut, only adding to the urgency of the situation. Oh, the cruel irony of it all! The bathroom, a place of solace and privacy, had become my nemesis. The mere thought of sharing its confined space with my roommate, particularly during such a dire bodily undertaking, filled me with a sense of dread. Stinky poops, echoing sounds, and an atmosphere thick with embarrassment awaited if I dared to <laughs> venture in while Adam was present. <laughs> and so I stood there, my bowels churning like a tempest within, struggling to maintain composure while the pain grew increasingly unbearable. Five minutes stretched on, feeling like an eternity in the realm of an emergency poop. As I tried to distract myself with futile attempts at editing my work, but then, it came. Out of nowhere, an urgent demand from within brooked no negotiation. My body rebelled against my desperate attempts to hold back the inevitable. With each passing second, the pressure intensified, threatening to break the fragile dam of my self-control. Just four more minutes, Adam said. Frantic thoughts raced through my mind, considering every possible solution to this bathroom conundrum. I pondered rushing to the restrooms of my neighbors next door, barely suppressing the image of myself awkwardly hurrying down the street, a desperate look on my face. I even contemplated the unthinkable. Oh, yes. I even considered popping a squat behind the garage, defying all social norms in a desperate bid for relief. Oh, the absurdity of it all. The eminent release of body functions had thrust me into a realm of ethical dilemma, pushing even my firmest boundaries. It was a moment that made me question the very core of my values. How far was I willing to go to find solace? How would I navigate this peculiar situation without sacrificing my dignity or subjecting innocent passerby to doth unthinkable spectate spectacle, sorry. As I waddled around the kitchen, 
clutching my abdomen and emitting a series of ah sounds reminiscent of someone about to give birth. I felt a mixture of relief and hilarity wash over me. The moment had arrived. It was time to face the ultimate challenge of releasing my burden. Adam, sensing my desperation, had approached the cl closed bathroom door, a mixture of concern and amusement evident in his voice. Through the door, we engaged in a comical exchange as I tried to articulate the gravity of the situation. And then, with a swift resolution, Adam graciously replenished the bathroom, knowing full well the severity of my predicament. With gratitude flooding my every pore, I rushed in, embracing the porcelain throne as if it were a long-lost friend. In an act of courtesy, I reached for the poo-puri, a magical elixir designed to mask the evidence of my bodily uh, evidence. A few spritzes in the bathroom was enveloped in a pleasant aroma, erasing any trace of the chaos that had just transpired. As I settled in for a moment of solitude, I, I marveled at the perfect timing, the harmony of bodily functions. It was as if the stars had aligned, granting me the relief I sought, without subjecting me to the discomfort of sharing the space with my victim roommate's nose. And so, with a newfound appreciation for effective communication, the power of roommate empathy and the pains of childbearing, and the wonders of poo-puri, I emerged from the bathroom feeling lighter, both physically and emotionally. The crisis had been averted, and I stood as a testament to the triumph of perseverance and resourcefulness in the face of dire circumstances. The end. So that was uh, Friday morning. True story. <laughs> that was crazy. At, at some point, I just I kind of wanted to intersect with you. So like, my anus! <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because we had just talked about storytelling and then that happened and I was like oh my gosh because I think one of the things maybe our listeners are are thinking about is like John well how do I tell stories like that's cool but like I don't have any stories to tell and uh, truth be told I have kind of had that, that perspective or that you know that belief for quite a while um, and uh, and then it hit me I was like wait a minute, such a normal everyday thing. Not everyday, but like that was, that was a true scenario, something that happened. And I, and I was just kind of paying attention. I was like, oh my gosh, a story. And I, and I kind of wrote it down and I ended up sitting down and actually composing it into like all those emotions I felt, all those like, I could go to poop behind the garage. Like those were actually things running through my mind. And I was just like attentive enough to like recognize what they were and write them down. Yeah. And I, th I just thought that was really cool. How you can take anything th that's like slightly out of the ordinary and turn it into a story. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was so, I had so much fun writing that. And, uh, I was, I was backing off from my, uh, microphone cause I was, I was, uh, giggling throughout, throughout the, the thing. And also I just wanted to make a, make some butt jokes in there, but I'm like, <laughs> John's got this. We're, we're, good. <laughs> we're good to go. Oh man, and uh, you know, uh, so I, I, you know, not a, not everything has to be like a. Obviously, that was more of like a creative writing kind of story, right? Yeah. But that story, I could retell that, uh, you know, on stage in a podcast, you know, yeah. in a conversation, right? And uh, taking something so so ordinary and, and turning it into, you know, in in a, in a way that that captures different attention. But I wanted to, I wanted to get into a little bit of what what makes a good story because truth be told i incorporated some frameworks into writing that that i think made that more successful and um so essentially i'm reading this book called expert secrets and it's a book by russell brunson one of my one of my favorite uh, mentors and um businessmen and uh marketers and he he tells basically gives a, a whole introduction on, on storytelling and and he's got this framework called the hero's two journeys. I thought we'd get into that a little bit, Adam, here, and kind of break down what's what's happening. And and uh, essentially, he breaks down. Uh, so the, the origin story here is that there's this George Lucas. You know, he launched and directed the film Star Wars, right? Uh, all of the, the series, the original series. And there was this guy that he had actually met called Joseph Campbell. And this guy essentially had done decades um, 
of like he created story frameworks like decades before Star Wars happened and really felt he spent his life studying kind of the the different themes and archetypes uh, that he could use like literally like stories across the time of history. He studied them and he said, what okay. what makes these like good? So he studied like myths and yep. like all of the old stories because like for a while how we like even shared history was just in storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, in 1949, Campbell wrote a book uh, detailing his findings called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he essentially laid out a 17-stage story framework that he called uh, The Hero's Adventure. And later there was um, there's this guy named by the name of, um, I guess this was Campbell actually, uh, or no, Christopher Volger, sorry. He essentially came upon these, modified them slightly, and he created the uh, this uh, Christopher Christopher guy, Christopher Volger. Uh, he was a uh, like a film guy in Hollywood film, okay. and he was like, "How can I adapt this to make better films?" And uh, but this is the original framework, um, and which was uh, by Campbell. So it was essentially, uh, I'll go through them quick. The the call to adventure, hero receives a calling to the unknown. Again, these are all the elements of a good story. Uh, two, refusal of the call. Obligations or fear pre prevent hero from starting the journey. Three, supernatural aid. Magical helper appears or becomes known. Four, crossing the first threshold. Hero leaves their known world and adventures into the unknown. Five, belly of the whale. Final stage of separation from the known world. Six, the Road of Trials. Hero must pass through a series of tests to begin transformation. Seven, meeting with the goddess slash love. Hero experiences unconditional love. Eight, temptation. Hero faces temptation that will distract from their ultimate quest. Nine, atonement with the hero's father. Hero must confront the person who holds ultimate power in their life. Ten, Peace and fulfillment before the hero's return. The hero moves to a state of divine knowledge, usually through some form of death. 11. The ultimate boon. Achievement of goal. 12. Refusal of the return. Having found bliss and enlightenment in the other world, the hero may be reluctant to return. 13. Magic flight. Sometimes the hero has to escape within the boon. With the boon, sorry. Uh, 14. Rescue from without. Sometimes the hero needs a rescuer. 15. Return. Hero retains wisdom gained on their quest. Integrates into their human society by sharing their wisdom with the world. Hmm. 16. Master of two worlds. Hero achieves balance between the material and spiritual, inner and outer world. And uh, lastly, 17. Freedom to live. Free from fear of death, hero lives in the moment without concern for the future or regrets for the past. And uh, essentially, Campbell reduced that into uh, 12 steps, so from 17 to 12. And uh, and here's, I thought this was super interesting. I was like, a, oh, well, it's obviously that's like a cool framework, right? You might be asking, that's a cool framework, John, but like, uh, it's hard to kind of, okay, I'm kind of picking up the themes you're saying. and But I wanted to maybe give that more of the history here. And here's the cool, here's the cool thing is like, Basically, Campbell, um, Campbell's works was adapted by Christopher Volger and used in a lot of films. And so here's how he breaks it down into a film that we'd all know, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So the ordinary world. Harry Potter uh, lives in a cupboard under the stairs. Two, the, the call to adventure. He receives a letter to attend Hogwarts. Three, refusal of the call. He doesn't believe he's a real wizard. Four. Meeting the mentor, Hagrid takes him to Diagon Alley. Five, crossing the first threshold. He learns about his parents' death at the hands of Lord Voldemort. Six, test allies' enemies. He adjusts to the life at Hogwarts. Uh, seven, approach the innermost cave. Harry, Ron, and Hermione plan to get the Sorcerer's Stones before Snape. Eight, the ordeal. They overcome the obstacles set up to protect the stone. Nine, the reward. 
Harry enters the room where the stone is hidden. 10. The roadblock. He faces Professor Quirrell. Quirrell. However you say it. I think it's Quirrell. Okay, I got it right. Quirrell. Who has been hosting Voldemort in his body. 11. Harry, um, the resurrection. Harry wakes up in the hospital. Dumbledore explains that he has been protected by his mother's love. And uh, lastly, 12. Return with the elixir. Harry returns home for the summer, happy to belong at Hogwarts. And as you see this 12-stage hero's journey framework, it's present in that movie. And there's the same framework uh, that's used in Star Wars. Um, you know, think about it. Like, he has to face, like, remember one of the steps in the original was, like, has to face father. Um, the hero, Atonement with Hero's father. Uh, hero must confront the person who holds ultimate power in their life. Right? And that was, like, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Luke meeting. And it was, like... This is so cool when you see how this overlap. He does one with Lion King, which I won't get into, but it's like, it's just. But crazy. anyone who knows the story of Lion King can kind of. You could kind of plug yeah. that in where you know Simba has to leave home. Father, yeah, because dies. because his father dies and he has to leave home, and then he goes through like a, a weird like not wanting to take on responsibility, but then he has a meeting with uh, Rafiki the monkey. Yeah. And then I love that and also his father like in the sky. Um, and then like he has to go back. Yeah, man. And uh so you know, uh that's cool, that's really cool. Um, and it's like okay, John, but I'm not writing movie scenes or like, you know, or whatnot. And and quite uh the good news is Russell kind of took this and was like, How can I adapt this into just like everyday stories that I could tell? Yeah. Uh which I think is maybe more prevalent to this conversation which is like within maybe so outside of creative writing or outside of like film or something like that how can i use stories in my everyday life well well adam like what what i guess what are um he developed a little three-step thing that i want to share here um but what before we do that i guess like what do you think the value is in storytelling adam like why is this kind of like a, a little known secret that a lot of people uh have neglected or just have no idea that they yeah. should be using i think a lot of people in conversation will like make statements that are really good sometimes and true, but they're not very good at explaining why they just kind of hope that the people that they're telling it to like understand the context. So they're like understood by like being around the right people. Yeah. Whereas if you tell a story, people will understand the context And generally, if they don't understand something, they might have like a couple of questions, which you could then answer relatively easily. So then you kind of get the you get the point across a lot better because they understand the context to what you're trying to say. And also stories are way easier to pay attention to than me just saying like a fact or something. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this like I'm trying to think of an example right now. Well, when we are. You can use the youth yeah. group example that we use in the other podcast. Yeah. So, like, no one's paying attention when people are just giving, like, just advice, like, statement advice. Like, hey, get off your phone before bed so you can, like, fall asleep properly and not stay up too late. It's like, okay, I guess. Um, Like, it's good advice, but I'm not like, oh, I really need to do that now. Whereas... <laughs> Yeah. Like, if you tell a story about, like, yeah, so um, there's a lot of nights where I just stayed up late and just on my phone, just on social media, like, doom scrolling. You know how that happens. Like, I'm just scrolling forever in the same topic. Um, and then I find myself awake at, like, 4 a.m. and I still haven't, like, gotten sleep yet. And it's like, oh, shoot, I need to get up at, like, 10 a.m. tomorrow, which is in, like, six hours. So I'm not getting my full eight hours, even though 10 a.m. is sleeping in technically so now now you're worried about oh crap will people think i'm just like i'm gonna be super tired even though i had tons of time to sleep in like this is not gonna be like the greatest and then your next day is like shorter i've just kind of noticed that and i was just like kind of dragging it just kind of felt like the days went by and i'm not really getting much done because it's harder for me to establish that like routine like i just wake up and i'm like oh crap i have to go to the thing and i have no time to kind of do the things that I need to get done in the morning or want to get done in the morning. And then you're just yeah. feeling like I'm, I was just like dragging the whole time, you know? Um, whereas if you just like decide, Oh, 
the last thing of the evening's kind of done. Rather than going on my phone, I'm just going to go to bed. And maybe like... And you, you, and you realized when you started doing that more, what did you realize? That one, I'm more fulfilled because I get like the things done in the morning. So I'm like, oh, like I have my routine. So then I feel good going into the day. And I'm like, all right, I got some wins. Like I worked out. I, I'm, I'm fed. So I'm not like hungry and... And like pissed off because I'm hungry and like I don't get hangry in the like middle of the morning where I'm like hungry and angry. And so then I'm yeah, I'm gonna be like a little more cheer cheerful around people, which is just gonna help their day be better and my day be better if I actually like am going to bed on time so I have like that time in the morning. Cause it's really hard to cheat sleep. Like at some point it's probably gonna catch up with you. Like, you can kind of burn the candle on both ends for a little while, but at a certain point, you're just going to crash. Totally. Because, like, the, the whole reason why people stay up late or, like, why they justify them staying up late is, like, oh, well, I want to be able to do this thing. I have stuff to do tomorrow, but, like, I really want to do this thing and all that other stuff. So I'm just going to do both things. And, you know, I want to be, like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really cool person, so I can, I can function off of four hours of sleep. You know, so they like, right. oh, they're like over college students, right? Yeah, they're like overconfident in like their ability to run with less sleep because like, oh, I've done that before. And it's like, yes, you have done it before. But that was just that was today. Like you <laughs> like you can't go multiple days with that little mile of sleep. Like, yeah, maybe you can do it like once where you're doing four hours of sleep from my experience. Maybe yeah. there's a couple of people that can like run it from a couple or more. But like at a certain point, like energy drinks will only carry you so far because like I've done that before where like me and John have gone to a conference and I've just pounded energy drinks the whole time and then the day after I have a pounding headache and I'm like I feel like I'm just gonna fall like over continuously three days after yeah yeah, like just, yeah and, it, and so it's like if that's if that's like the story you tell yeah. and like and like kind of your experience if it's more like hey this is my experience this is what I yeah. kind of realized mm -hmm. it's like people are more sucked in it's like it's storytelling is a much more natural way of yeah. communicating. And like there's a reason I think we like movies so much. There's a reason we when we hear stories, we're like, you know, I can remember a time when I would hear these older dudes just sharing all these stories from their lives. And we'd all just sit around the fire shutting up, listening and like so like engaged and laughing. And like because we, we could visualize what he was talking about and we yeah. could feel and connect with what he felt and connected with. And we walk away, you know, you walk away going coming away with like the core message. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without them ever saying, like, this is what you should do. There's no, like, you should do that. It's all, like, huh. Like, I kind of, like, I liked hearing about this, you know, Grant Cardone's story of his routine and what he's been doing and what he and what he realized. I want to, yeah, I kind of realizing the same thing through his story. And I want to do, you know, I want to start getting up earlier. And, like, he never told me I needed to, you know what I mean? Like, it was just something that I wanted to copy and model and. And, yeah. and But I was also, like, really much paying attention the whole time because stories are just – I found that it's easier – like, when like one of our uh, leaders at this at this youth group gathering that we had mentioned was telling a story was so much easier to actually pay attention and actually remember what he said. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't just, like, glossing over your head by – you know what I mean? It was it was uh, like his out experience. Of, out of everything that was said, that's the thing that I remember the best. Yeah. Because it was, like, a story, and I can, like – I think it's the power of visual visualization. Like I can actually like see what happened in this story. So I have yeah. that visualization. And you, you know, so you see, you see uh world-class communicators, right? And you got all these business owners, you know, Grant Cardone, Russell Brunson, Ed Milet, you get guys, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, Steve Jobs, you know, really, I mean, pick pick somebody, business world or outside of business world, like, you know, people that are really inspiring presidents, you know, and and they would they would tell stories. Um, yeah. And and so it's like, you know, when you learn this ability, you'll see this huge difference in your ability to, to really like connect and command people's attention. It's like when somebody starts telling a story, everyone shuts up and listens like yeah. you have their attention. It's like. I think people have, you know, I had this this experience when I was a kid, right? Where, honestly, like uh, one of the biggest things that I really wrestled with and was and would just get me so worked up, and I would, you know, I remember being so pissed off and so like kind of triggered, and I would feel just like so like I would I'd be sad eventually, but at first I was just like mad, I was upset, you know, because it was frustrating. I would try to share or talk, and people like 
would just tune me out or they would talk amongst themselves. Or like I would try to like interject in a conversation and people would just ignore me. And I, that was so hard for me. And I just remember, I remember like when I was a kid, I, there was this one time where I, I was at this like vacation Bible school, which, you know, which, which is kind of like uh, summer school, but with fun activities and camp games and snacks and songs. And it's not really intense school. It's just kind of like a fun week with when you're learning about like the Bible and stuff and with all your friends. But I remember I would literally ran away from what was happening. I was probably like, you know, I was probably pretty young, like six or seven years old. And I literally went and I hid under a stack of chairs and I hid there for probably like an hour plus. And I was, I was just, I was furious. And, you know, looking back, I actually realized I had a similar, similar experience as an adult where we were, we were playing basketball and I was I was like, hey, let's play another round. And like there was nobody was listening to me. Right. Hey, let's play another round guy. Like, hey, kind of yelling over people and like, like, let's go again. And 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 they were, you know, oh, let's do better. But no one was even like saying, yeah, I want to or no, I don't want. They just like were ignoring me and kind of just meandering, playing amongst themselves. And I remember actually I went and I to the bathroom and I locked the door and I sat on the floor. And I was pissed and I was and I was like, wait a minute. This is a familiar situation. I remember when I was a kid, this happened. And what I realized was the common denominator was I didn't feel like I was being listened to. Mm -hmm. And how often it's easy to interrupt people or speak over them, or if they don't hear you, if they don't listen, if they don't acknowledge you, you just say it again, but louder uh, or something like that, you know? But that's relatively ineffective because it's like... Oh, very. Oftentimes they heard you, but they don't care. Yeah. Or sometimes they don't even hear you. Like... Yeah. They just, it's just, when somebody tries to communicate that way, it's not like it gets their attention or like makes them want to like listen. It just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. And it can definitely have that effect for sure. And, 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 uh, or they just like, they tune it out, you know? And, and essentially it was like, there was a search for me of like, man, how, like, I want people, what, why is it that an inspirational leader, somebody who's like, who's has the status of being wise and, and been around the block, like there was a certain aspect of like, Hey, if you've been more. If you're more successful, if you've done more, if you have more esteem, more respect, then if you start talking, people want to listen because of who you, your status. But what about for the, you know, what about for the rest of us? And it comes down to like, if you start telling a story, notice the whole room start listening to you, especially if you're good at it, especially if you have a good tonality, if you're interesting. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I think people are really inspired by communicators that don't just tell you the answer. They don't just say like, here, this is not, you have to do that. This is a matter of fact but they tell a story and, and you're swayed to kind of come to your own conclusion or learn the lesson without it being feeling, you know, it felt like it was your idea. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just a lot more fun. And, and, and even people with status tell more stories. Like they just figured out like telling stories is how I communicate. It's how people understand. That's the key. It's how it's like, I understood. Uh, I understand people better when they tell stories when they don't, I just, I sit there being like, what, what does that mean? Like it's so vague and ethereal and like, when they tell a story, it's like, oh, I don't even realize that I'm understanding. I just understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Quan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Telling the story to make someone understand makes so much more sense. I know like sometimes I'll be on the internet and I'll like run into like an ad that I'm like, that's something that's kind of interesting. I like click on the ad just to see kind of what they're doing just because sales and like even talking to John about like digital marketing and stuff just has me curious of like, how they build it. And like sometimes yeah. when you click on that, like ads will take you to like a page with like a video on it or something. And what they do a like, lot is like actually a YouTube kind of video. Yeah. A lot of the time they'll actually have a, like a video that tells you a story. Now there's a couple of things that they do that sometimes annoy me. Cause they'll be like, so that's when I found out this secret thing that gets you this. But before I tell you what that is, I'm going to, and like at a certain point I'm just like, you, Instead of like saying that, you could have just kept telling the story. Like I'm already on this page. I want to know what it is. Yeah. Just tell me the story and then be like, or or like piece together the thing. So I kind of like naturally come to the conclusion of what, what you're trying to say. And then when you actually tell me that I'm like, ha, I knew what it was. And then I feel good about myself. And because I'm feeling good about myself, how much do you think I'm more likely to buy whatever you're selling instead of being like, man, this person's annoying. Just get to the point already. But that's because they're like interjecting like, but wait, if, 
in the next 10 minutes, if you like, you know, like order now, kind of like, or wait, I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. But, but first it's like, no, just tell me the story because that's, if you're telling me a story, like I was already like drawn into the story and then you bring me out of the story to be like, but before I t- like, no, just tell it a story and then I'll like naturally yeah. come to it if it's a good enough story. So that's kind of like the, the thing that I've seen through like that is like sometimes, sometimes like people will like try to tell part of a story, but then like bring you out of it and, and doing like online sales sometimes. And it's like, but I just, I just wanted to know, like finish telling the story. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. That's something I'm getting into learning and still kind of trying to navigate. And that's something I'm still learning in my journey is how to tie those, not those ends together and whatnot that you're describing. Yeah. And so stay tuned for more on that. Um, but uh, the last thing I want to just leave you guys with a nugget, something practical you can do. And this has come from my experience. Um, you know, I, this is from the same book, expert secrets and, This is where he gets into like, here are three elements to every plot. And he kind of had summarized it down into a few elements that you can incorporate in your own stories that really make it good. And, uh, you know, there's, and of course, like I, there's so much I could say, like, I'm so excited. I could say so much of this, but I'll, uh, I'd recommend to read the book to learn more of this yourself. And, you know, I don't have any, there's no sponsorship link. I just, I just genuinely think this is one of the, and I have an entrepreneur that I follow that he literally says like, yeah, this is among like the eight books I study every year, like in depth, like it's just that good. Uh, and so I think you'll find a lot of value in it. That's why I share it. But uh, so real quick here, he says, you know, good stories are actually really simple. And there's essentially three kind of layers to a story that that make it really good. <clears throat> and that is you have a character and you have a, des- and then you have kind of have like a cavern and then there's a desire on the other side. And then at the bottom of the can of cavern is it's called the conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have this, this character that wants to achieve some kind of goal or accomplish some kind of thing. Or, um, he says he, you know, so the example, the character, little red riding hood and the desire uh, to take a basket of cookies to her grandma and the conflict, the big bad wolf. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, uh, so he, he says actually like there's, Within the first, you know, 25% of a story, the story is focused on uh, the character and his separation from from his home. Mm-hmm. So think about it, Little Red Riding Hood. Like the beginning of it is probably her like needing to leave home and go on this adventure. Or with Luke Skywalker was like needing to leave Tatooine and go on this adventure to, yeah. to save Princess Leia and be a Jedi. And the whole beginning is like this origin story of like, you know what I mean? Like this whole like separation uh, from home. And, I, and that's like, it helps you really like connect to to the character. Uh, this makes with, me want to rewatch Star Wars. I know, right? Like the original slash episode <clears throat> four. And so, yeah, I know. It's like that series, dude, is like so freaking good. But especially when you realize how good of a storyteller George Lucas was. He wasn't a great director, but he was a great storyteller. And that's what made it really good. That's what made it like literally the most popular film ever at the time was... Yeah, it's like pl- applying these frameworks. Dialogue and <laughs> store world building. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, you building rapport with the hero and introducing the desire that he has. So, you know, uh, which would be, you know, taking a basket of cookies to grandma here. Um not in Star Wars, but Red Riding Hood. No, I don't know what version of Star Wars you watch. <laughs> yeah, a little Red Riding Hood. Um and uh, you know, there's a few things that I could go into more there, but uh, to make you know, essentially, he's like the character you want him to, uh, to be a victim of some outside force makes you want to root for them. Uh, you want the character to be uh, in jeopardy so that we worry about them. You want the character to be likable so that we want to be with them. Uh, you want the character to be funny so that you connect with them. Uh, the character to be powerful so you want to be like them. And if you do that, that's how you build rapport. If you do that in the beginning of the story, then you basically want to continue and be with the story. Um, and so I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, and so, you know, there's a lot more to it, but he essentially introduces one more thing and a couple more th- elements here. You have this villain who's in the conflict, some kind of villain. And so, you know, like the big bad wolf, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the villain in the conflict. And it actually creates like you actually want to root for the hero more because there's this villain and there's this conflict. And like it would be boring if the character just went and fulfilled his desire because there's this, like in my story was like I had to go, I had to, take a dump but the bathroom was occupied 
and that creates this conflict and that draws you into the story. And uh, also like the villain was like the fact that the door was closed. And so I, I actually refer to the door as like this villainous like barricade, right? And so all of a sudden it's like, you're like, you're upset of, of, of the, I didn't also, just to be clear, I did not make Adam the villain. I made the, the situation the villain, right? Mm -hmm. But that, that makes you want to root for me that I, now when I'm like, oh, I need to find a solution to use the restroom, you're like, yeah, like I'm trying to think of solutions for you, character. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like your mind goes along with that and uh, it, it keeps you sucked into to, to the story. Uh, but also, uh, so the good story, we'll, we'll finish on these terms where he has some kind of mentor, expert, or guide that pops in. I didn't necessarily incorporate that in my, in my story, but uh, this would be like Yoda mm -hmm. comes to Luke Skywalker and becomes this guide that mentors him to the journey and like, yeah, and that essentially across the bridge of the cavern to the desire is the, is the you know, he, you don't know the way, but you, you've left home, but you don't know the way. And this guide shows up and shows you the way. Uh, and then typically you'll defeat, you know, you'll defeat the villain. Uh, you'll, you'll find a solution to the conflict. And, and there's this two, uh, there's these two journeys that the hero goes on, which is one, which is towards achievement, where he accomplishes his desire, the reason he set out from home. And you need to have a desire because that's the whole purpose of why the character separates from home and goes on the journey. Otherwise, the audience won't understand why. Like what, why what is this him. story happening? Yeah, they'll have no investment to the, the purpose, yeah. right? But usually, the, it either goes one or one way. Like some stories actually don't end with him achieving it. Like basically, like Lightning McQueen in Cars didn't actually win the Piston Cup. Yeah. Right? He stops at the end. And he basically, and that's the, the second journey of the hero. So he crosses the, the conflict and defeats the villain, but then uh, it's he goes towards transformation journey. Yeah. Where Lightning McQueen's actually been transformed in his character. He's not yeah. egotistical or selfish anymore. Yeah. But he actually is serving and loving and kind. And like he's been, the whole process of the journey has transformed him. And that's like the, the whole point behind the movie Cars is, he goes from like the super egotistical, like kind of like I'm the shit kind of uh, person to wait. There's there's other people that are important that I need to take care of. And that's honestly, that's what you could argue. And many do that. That's actually the better payout of a story or just like in your life. The better payout is like. You know, like I could want to win the Super Bowl. That could be my, that could be the achievement, the desire, the achievement that I want to go towards. But maybe along the way, like you actually become a better football player. Uh, maybe you become a better teammate, a better leader, uh, you know. And was that not more impactful for you lifelong? Yeah. Even though you could be like starting out, someone who's really good at football could like have the talents and be really good. So I think like, I'm kind of the shit. Like I'm going to go on this team. This team is going to uh, like immediately start winning more, but then they are going to run into, Oh crap. There's other people in the NFL that are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. The conflict. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, man. So and, and to be clear, both achievement of desire and why you set out and transformation can happen at the same, they can both happen, but they don't need to both happen in order for it to be a good story. So anyways, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to break down and share. And, and so really it comes back down to three, three things. If you have character, if you have a conflict, you have a desire, then and you weave those into a story. This could be something you share. Uh, if you're telling a story and you're just, and this is the one thing I want to end on is like, if you're telling a story in a conversation, say this is, say you want to be more charismatic. You want people to, to command attention and listen to you. You could kind of start hook them while you, when you start telling a story, people like are drawn in, but you could also lose their attention if it's a bad story. Yeah. But one thing that can make it, will make it a good story is if you really, um, I mean, all those elements, listen back and study that, get the book and go more in depth. But if you have a conflict, that's what's really mm -hmm. going to keep people hooked. Yeah. Um, and it makes it more interesting. Mm -hmm. And so if you want your stories to be more interesting, don't focus as much on just saying like, here's all the details of what happened. Like some people like, they just try to remember the story and they just like, they get caught up on the details and they stop and they're like, Oh, what was that? And, uh, Hmm. And then they sometimes like a lot of things can go like, like, uh, actually my, my mother, uh, love her, love her very much, but she'll tell a story and then she'll forget the punchline every time. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, 
oh, I, I, you know, I could never tell a story because I just can't remember the punchline or the joke. This is more like a joke thing, but mm -hmm. well, actually. A lot of jokes are stories though, so. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's some things to practice, but it's worth it because um, like I, like we said, you know, we, we really realize the only two things that matter and I'll let you get into this, but you know, um, like questions and stories and, yeah. and uh, so we'll do more on questions another time, but that, that's kind of like, we want to break down stories and yeah, if you want to kind of wrap it up here, Adam. Yeah. Like basically the, what John was getting at was there's two things that matter when communicating and that's like stories and questions because you can get a, you can get a point across when you're storytelling. I'm through this podcast. I'm like kind of dying on the side a little bit because I'm like I just cough like crazy. He's had to move the mic and just <laughs> just like hack up a log real quick. I can um, see the tears building up with like, you as you try to uh, hold it in, maintain gotta, your composure. I gotta, I gotta hold <laughs> hold the coffin like I'm doing like right now. Oh my gosh. Um. Because, you know, it's spring and I'm, I'm probably developing some allergies or something like that. So the trees that's, are blooming, man. And I'm like, uh, white lax, itchy nose. Like, I like seeing them, but but also my nose is like, what the hell is happening? Um, <laughs> But uh, so I probably need to figure out my... Uh, when you live in Minnesota where it's winter half the year and there is no bugs or pollen or plants that it can grow or exist, all of a sudden when they are there, your body and your nose freak out yeah you're like did you just like go to a different planet <laughs> did we just go from like hoth to tatooine or hoth to endor like what just happened yeah except there's no there's no ewoks here but you know there are fluffy dogs so yeah i've seen some rabbits <laughs> so yeah some yeah. final thoughts here and yeah so like we were saying like questions stories learn how to at, at me and John or John and I to use proper grammar uh, yes. are learning how to use questions and stories in a way that makes it so we can understand and be understood more. Yeah. I think we've both run into getting, having to talk over people and not being listened to a lot. And, and, but yeah, I think it comes down to want to be more charismatic more inspirational leader. Um, I think that's so important to being a man is to be, is to fill the shoes of a, of a, of a leader, somebody who can command attention and respect and can like inspire and motivate and move people and communicate a message, right? Some kind yeah. of a, a belief or, or truth or something that helps break down discouragement, helps build up hope and belief and, and stories are one of the most powerful ways to do that. Yeah. And so, Yeah. Really, uh, you know, I, I did this, but I say I'm, I'm making a commitment to being a better storyteller. So and, and the biggest way you could do that, honestly, I is what I'm what I'm learning is to get a book on the subject and actually learn from those who have gone before you that have good frameworks on how mm -hmm. to do this really well. I re would recommend Expert Secrets on that. But and spend the time like telling those stories more, mm -hmm. reflecting on what you could do and, you know. Uh, one thing I do is actually like I'll be walking around and I'll be like, oh, that's a good story. I'm going to write that idea down mm -hmm. or I'll remember something that has happened in the past. Like I remembered three different things that had happened in my life when I was hiking, when I went for a run yesterday, mm -hmm. I went for a 13 mile run, 12 miles actually, but I finished and I had all these things I was writing down. And I, oh, I remember it. And I just have a note in my phone stories and I would, and I write like a bullet couple details, what I felt, what I felt, why I thought of the story. And that was like it. And then I could go back and read it. Oh yeah. I remember that, that from the past. And, and I'd be able to like craft out a better story and like, cause we can use these in business. We can use them mm -hmm. in at the life of the party, you know, and, uh, and, uh, we can use these in our social media posts. We can use them really any form of communication. If we yeah. kind of have a list of stories, we can even without even when, in any scenario. Yeah. Even when talking to people, something that I'm trying to do is how do I, if I'm trying to tell somebody something, how do I just turn it into a story? Yeah. So that they can focus on it more. And to be able to structure it better, I've also thought about, like, because you could read, like, Expert Secrets or other books that tell you how to tell stories, but you could also read good stories. Yes. Um. Like, I'm currently uh, piecing through uh, 
The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, which is a very mm. short book, but it's him just telling an allegorical story, which is just it's a story that reflects like of a... something. Um, yeah, it's kind of like it's based off of like heaven, hell, and purgatory, and he's just like telling a story without he he doesn't like tell you that right out right out the bat, and it's but he literally starts the story with like. It seems that I was on an alleyway that's like dreary and it's raining and it, it like it's really cool how he starts it because he like sucks you in because it's like it seems that I am in this spot Boom. because it's like well is he what's going on huh and so it's like a little bit mysterious and he uses very few words to describe things but yet you have like it almost makes it so your imagination figures out what he's doing. Like, oh, I sat next to the, I found myself sitting next to an intelligent looking man wearing a uh, bowler hat. And you're like, I don't even exactly know what a bowler hat is, but like the time period that he wrote this in was like the 40s. So what does an intelligent man in the 40s look like? And whatever your brain pictures in that is just what you put there. Yeah. But- he also gets the point across that's an intelligent looking man, which means the conversation that he's going to have with him, that he does go into, the man is going to end up being intelligent or seeming to thinks himself intelligent. Yeah. So it like already like prefabes what he's going to do next. So it gives you the proper expectations, but also allows you to, to picture what's going on really, really well. Hmm. And you can, and I guess, Adam's point with that was you can read good stories and, and learn some different things you can incorporate into your storytelling Yeah, and uh, kind of emulate and model that. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's our, that's our takeaways. And we really want to stress the importance of, of this skill. And it, it is a skill you can learn uh, and a skill that you can easily, once you get pretty good at it, you know, once you've put some time in to tell stories, this is something you can whip out in any moment at, at a party uh, in your in your business, in, when you speak on stage, when you're giving uh, any kind of presentation, and this is something that writing a speech, this is something that can really transform your ability to communicate and be able to have people connect with you more on an emotional level, uh, be able to really uh, captivate people uh, and command their their respect and their attention for you. And so, uh, do it. Let's be dangerous. Let's be let's be uh, inspirational storytellers yeah. and leaders. And uh, let's let's reverse the trend of just like kind of terrible communicators and people that that you know what I mean. Like, how can we get our message across if if we're not able to communicate and connect with people? Mm-hmm. But if you don't do it, you don't do it. So don't be afraid to tell mediocre stories, so then you can learn how to tell great stories. And with that, you've been listening to the Dangerous Man Podcast. Join us next time. If you really like this, share it with a friend. But until then, stay dangerous. Dangerous.